Welcome to the How Fitting Podcast, where you'll hear from independent fashion designers and entrepreneurs about how they grow their business, making clothes that fit their customer and values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Natalia Trevino Amaro of her namesake label, Natalia Trevino Amaro. So welcome to the show, Natalia. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I'm Natalia, like you said. I run a slow fashion brand um, that is just named after myself. (laughs) I'm 22. I'm a sustainable slow fashion brand. I guess it kind of is in the slow fashion brand name already, but you know, in case that isn't clear, it's a sustainable brand. Um, I went to FIT, graduated with, you know, a degree in fashion design, and this is what I've been doing since. Wow. That's so cool. So I kind of want to start at the beginning. So you went to fashion school. Did you always have this dream of starting your own brand, like, once you graduated? I kind of did, but just, like, I didn't think I would do it the way that I ended up doing it. Um, So, like, I've always wanted to, you know, pursue fashion, go to school for it, and eventually have a brand. But I thought originally that I would, like, graduate and then work in the industry for a few years and then start a brand. But Mm -hmm. because I ended up graduating, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, um, Mm -hmm. getting a job in the industry was not really a thing (laughs) at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of left with just like the option of starting a brand because I also had to move back from New York to Indiana. So obviously I couldn't get a job in Indiana in my industry at all. Mm-hmm. So it kind of ended up being the only option I had was to start a brand and hope that it would work out. And, you know, luckily it, it has, but it wasn't my intention to do it right after I graduated. But, it, you know, it somehow worked out that way. Gotcha. Yeah, it's kind of a, a tricky time to like so many designers are were like laid off over the pandemic to exactly. like be graduating into that. Yeah. Yeah. So when so like during your school, let's talk a little bit about that. Like um, mm-hmm. what were you always interested in, like sustainable and slow fashion or kind of what got you into fashion in the first place? Yeah, so I got into fashion, I guess, like you know, my entire life, I've always been into it or whatever, but I started sewing and taking it more seriously when I got to high school, um, because my high school offered sewing classes. So I took that all four years. Yeah, it was super fun. So like, that's kind of when I realized that it was something that I was like, really, really passionate about. And my teacher kind of like, you know, told me that fashion schools existed, and that I could actually pursue it as a career. So that's kind of when I got into that. Um, but the sustainability side of things, I didn't really get into until a lot later. Um, I think like, you know, growing up in the Midwest, it's not something that's really talked about at all. Like Mm -hmm. sustainability is just not a, not a huge thing out here. So it's not something I grew up with necessarily. So when I went to school, I obviously had classmates from like all over and, um, a lot of my classmates, you know, were from like California or like, you know, East coast, West coast. And like, just were exposed to a lot more of the sustainability side of things and would talk a lot more about it or like post about it. And I just kind of got exposed to it that way and um, just was really intrigued by the subject. So I started kind of doing my own research because I was like, what are these people talking about? Um, And then, you know, like quickly when you start doing research about it, you realize how awful of a problem it is. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. take a lot of Google searching to figure that one out. So Mm -hmm. 
once I figured that out, I was like, okay, like if I'm going to be part of this industry, like I don't want to be part of that problem. So then I took it, you know, upon myself to kind of research more and just like be more conscious about sustainability in the industry. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's so cool. And I, I also grew up in the Midwest, so it, <laughs> yeah, so you get it. it. <laughs> yep, yep. It's not um, it, it's not as I guess innovative in terms of yeah uh, things with sustainability or even just like fashion and technology stuff. So exactly. yeah, totally get it. <laughs> um, so what aspects of sustainability, like when you decided to start your own brand, like? sustainability can encompass like so many things right and for like a new brand starting out like it's it's very hard to kind of do all of them so mm-hmm. um what kind of what aspects of that are important to you and and that you included in your brand then when you started it yeah I think first off like I feel like the most obvious one to go for is like sustainable fabrics or like the most mm-hmm. obvious one I guess so that is what I kind of like initially focused in on the most and then obviously just like sustainable packaging in terms of like sending things out but that's also kind of an easy one to go for but yeah Mm -hmm. I think sustainable fabrics was the first thing I kind of dabbled into when I first started my brand and then that kind of developed into like being a lot more like zero waste and all of those things but I started kind of doing just like natural fab like natural fab fabrics um Mm -hmm. and then I kind of like have transitioned over into like dead stock a little bit more more like secondhand stuff so Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm constantly kind of figuring out what the best way to go about it because it is such a broad like topic and you know nothing is ever 100% sustainable so it's kind of like figuring out what you you think is like the more sustainable option so I feel like I'm still kind of constantly figuring it out Mm-hmm. And it, it is totally a journey. Like it's, it's not like, oh, you're either sustainable or you're not like, it, right. it's kind of a range of kind of trying to become more and more sustainable as there yeah. are options and as like new information and new possibilities open up. So exactly. Cool. So what was it like? Like, what were the first things that you did to actually start your brand? Like you said, you graduated and you moved back to Indiana. So, um, like, how did you launch it? You know, how did you start in the first place? Yeah. So I, when I was like, you know, close to graduating, like it was the end of the semester, I was, you know, doing it all online from home. I was already trying to figure out what my options were going to be post-graduation. So I was like, I guess I might as well start a brand and like, see if that works out. Like I had just gotten on TikTok at the time and like was seeing all these small businesses like blow up from it, like early Mm -hmm. quarantine times. So I was like, oh my God, like all these people are doing it. Like I, I could do it, could work out. Um, my parents thought I was a little crazy for it, but I was like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't hurt to try. I literally have nothing to lose. Like there's nothing else I can do. It's like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So um, I just kind of started researching, you know, sustainability things like logistic business things and figuring out just like a, you know, small plan of how I could get things figured out and, you know, start a little business. So like, I honestly just got like fabric. I started making some patterns, um, started just like building a website, got some like packaging materials and like, just kind of started off that way. Um, I started promoting it like across my social media. So kind of got a little attraction through that, but I feel like majority of it, I've just learned along the way. Like, I don't think 
started 100% correctly or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I got it set up and it got me to where I am. So it wasn't a crazy amount of setup. I think it took me about a month to like fully launch. So I really didn't take that much time to, you know, plan it out and get it set up. Mm-hmm. But it's worked out. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, starting is almost the hardest part in terms of like, it's never going to be perfect the first, right. you know, like right away. So it's like, yeah. just start and you learn as you go. But like the exactly. longer you know, like some planning up front is helpful, but mm-hmm. like the traditional, you know, write a huge business plan and, and do all this yeah. like before you start, it's like, it's going to be out the window as soon as you get customer feedback anyway, because exactly. like, you don't know <laughs> until you actually like put it out there and get the, get the reaction. Exactly. Cool. So did you already, um, like you said, you kind of got some traction from your own social media. Did you already have kind of a social media following or how did you kind of build up the audience that you have now for your brand? Because it's quite big now, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, I kind of had an audience starting off with, I've been on YouTube for like ever because um, I started it when I was in middle school. So like, oh, wow. I've just been doing it forever. So I had like a small audience on there. I think I maybe had like 15,000 at the time or something. So I'd been building it up. Um, but it wasn't necessarily like people that were geared towards like, you know, business things. It was more of people that followed me for like being at FIT or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like my audience has like changed regardless, but that's kind of like the biggest audience I had. I had like maybe like 200 or something on Instagram, like on that, on like my brand Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, but like my personal, I had like, I don't know, a thousand or whatever but it was like mostly people that actually know me like it wasn't like an influencer type of Instagram or anything mm-hmm. like that um so I didn't start with anything huge but um I had a TikTok video go viral like maybe a week or two after I launched and that gained me like a pretty decent audience um to start off with I think that ended up getting me to like a thousand on Instagram and a couple thousand on like TikTok and then you know everything kind of just transfer itself transfers itself over mm-hmm. um and then like the more I started showing it on my YouTube channel I gained an audience through that and I feel like all my social media just like crosses over each other and it's like one thing will do really well on like Instagram and it'll like give me TikTok and YouTube followers or like vice versa and I've had like viral videos in each platform so mm-hmm. it's kind of like been helpful that way it's like seasons where like my Instagram does really well there's seasons where my TikTok does well and like vice versa but it's never all at once it's always like one's doing well the other two are doing real bad and then it like trades off Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like just kind of dabbling in all the social media and you know trying to do all the different content platforms has just like given me the audience that I have now nice yeah so how do you I'm curious like with you know, creating content, as you know, is like, is a lot of work. Like it takes time yes. <laughs> to, you know, create videos, post videos, edit videos, you know, yep. you know, write captions, take pictures. Like, so how do you um, decide then like, like what kind of things do you normally post and how do you decide like what is like how much time to spend on social media versus running the rest of the brand? Right. I feel like it's honestly something I'm still trying to figure out and balance because I'll go through periods of time where I'm like super on social media and posting a bunch and like, you know, doing all the things. And then I go through periods of time where I 
don't do that as much because I'm like sewing and doing all the things like currently I've been so MIA on social media like with the holidays and everything I've just been Mm -hmm. like nowhere to be found um but I think it's just like balancing out like having certain days of the week where I focus on just social media stuff and like maybe like prepping a bunch of posts in advance or videos or whatever and then like days of just like full sewing or whatever um but obviously they kind of like cross over because I'm like filming myself sewing at the same time so it's like Mm I don't know they're weirdly intertwined um but I try to space it out that way we just have like certain days of getting like specific things done but you know it's not an easy thing to balance at all because like both are like full-time jobs basically like content Mm -hmm. creating is (laughs) like definitely a full-time job um but I do enjoy both. So I feel like that helps me, but I just feel like I'm honestly working 24 seven. Like I really don't, don't catch a break from it. Cause it's like, if I don't have orders to be sewing, it's like, oh, well I could be editing a video or I could be doing this. So mm-hmm. it's like a never ending kind of thing, but you know, I enjoy it for the most part. So it doesn't kill me too much, but it does definitely burn me out every now and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's one of the things with like any any self-employed person or you know business owner is that especially I feel like it's even worse now that everyone's working from home and it's like there's a pandemic so there's like I might as well work there's nothing else to do exactly Um, (laughs) that it's you know you kind of love what you do but then it's also your job it's like your job and your hobby and so it's like you can't get away in some ways yeah Um, exactly mm -hmm. yeah I totally get it um So like, how do you, and maybe it it sounds like you still do get burnt out sometimes, Mm -hmm. but like, do you have any tips of like how to keep yourself from being burnt out or like, what is your experience? Even if it's just like, don't do this, um, (laughs) that you have uh, like any tips on that for running your own business with something that you generally love, but also you need a break sometimes too. Yeah, I think it's important to like, know when to take breaks um and like you know go out for a walk or like go hang out with people or whatever I think like now that it's like winter and I can't go out on walks necessarily like I can but like I'd freeze a little bit Mm -hmm. um but like not doing that as much I feel like I just have to take like mental breaks and just like sit in like silence or like watch tv or like just do something like super mundane to like not be like busy Mm -hmm. um but also I like try like I really try to implement like a schedule where I stop working at a certain time each day but you know when you have things to do you end up kind of going over that anyway but like on days where it's like you don't have a ridiculous amount of stuff to do or it's like not super urgent like trying to keep like a healthy balance of like okay like I'm actually going to stop working at like I don't know 6 or 7 p.m or whatever time you want to stop working at and like I'm not going to work past that Mm -hmm. is also really good because it's so easy obviously when you're working from home and you have nothing else to do and it's like your hobby to just like continue working like after you've already had dinner and like continue working up until like you go to bed and like I do that often too but trying to have that kind of like balance to keep it kind of more of like a traditional job where you do actually have an end time Mm -hmm. um, I think is helpful and then like trying to take weekends off Mm -hmm. like I'm so bad about just continuing to work on weekend like it's a normal weekday but like every once in a while just like taking at least like a whole Saturday off or a whole Sunday off 
just like giving yourself like normal human breaks that other people at normal jobs would have Mm -hmm. and like not feel bad about it because that's a normal thing that normal people do yeah (laughs) yeah so easy to feel guilty if you're like just sitting at home not doing anything and you have all these things you could be doing but it's like no like these aren't working hours like it is okay to not be working during these hours you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so those are things I've tried to implement the most yeah that makes sense and yeah I think you know even part of sustainability it's like if you can't sustain yourself long term like the business is not going to be sustainable long term too (laughs) or even you know like if the you know, it may seem a little bit harsher, but like if the, if the business, like I've thought about this, if my business Mm -hmm. can only be like profitable or successful, if I'm like working insane hours or not like being hardly paid Mm -hmm. enough or not paying other people enough, um, then is that the type of business I want to run? You know, (laughs) like, yeah. Yes. So it's like, there's all those things too. Like, even to like match the values of your brand like right to set limits on it too right yeah it can be tricky though so so do you is it just you or do you have like a team working with you or like contractors or freelancers that you work with are you literally doing everything (laughs) um it's mostly me I was doing everything for a really long time um, and now I have like a freelance seamstress every now and then that comes in sales. Like I would like her to be a little more consistent this year, but you know, sometimes I just end up doing it myself because I'm like, well, if I don't have to pay somebody, then I get more money. So I'll, sh- mm-hmm. I'll just do it. But that's a bad thing <laughs> to think. Um, so yeah, I do have a freelance seamstress that comes every once in a while. Um, and then I have one of my friends, Kennedy, she works for me too. And she kind of does more just like back-end marketing stuff like sometimes she'll edit videos for me or like finish editing videos for me or just like random like desktop type of task mm-hmm. um she'll do every once in a while which has been really helpful but yeah I definitely was doing it all by myself for a long period of time and burnt myself to the ground so I'm like okay I need to actually start asking for help in places where like I need it most or like you know things that I don't want to be doing as much so mm-hmm. we're trying to you know lean in into that a little bit more but it's definitely difficult to start like hiring people out and like you know trusting people with your business and all the things so Mm -hmm. yeah do you have um like any advice on that like things you've learned of um like how to decide like who and when to hire somebody to help and then um like what has that done for like your time you know to being able to free up some of those tasks um, from, from your schedule, what it has, like, what is, has that made any difference in? Yeah. Um, it definitely has hiring people to help is just like a having like a good relationship with them and like having a good, just like feeling a good vibe from them. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. that's such a weird way to explain it, but you just like know when you meet somebody, if you're going to like get along or not in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like, like being able to have good and open communication with people because obviously if like somebody messes up but they're your friend like you don't want to be mean and be like you messed up and you did this but like knowing that it's a professional setting and you need to like be able to say those things without it being taken personal is like you know really important especially like me I work with one of my best friends like Kennedy Mm -hmm. and we've just like been able to manage super well and like keeping our friendship separate from just like actual business things which has been really nice 
Yeah, um, so just being nice. able, yeah, being able to have that communication of just like, you know, this is what I need. This is what maybe you didn't do. Like maybe work on this or whatever. And being like assertive with it is something I've had to like definitely learn because I'm not a very assertive person. <laughs> like I just mm-hmm. like everything to always be great and like, you know, try to not be confrontational at all. But obviously something you have to be when, you know, you're dealing with your own business and you want things to be perfect and go well. Um, but I've definitely like had so much more free time ever since that I like I started having people work with me which has been really nice um obviously it's not like I'm rolling around in free time because I just end up you know working during that extra free time but I'm able to like you know start creating new products or like get ahead with like other things that I need to do whether that's like YouTube or filming or whatever it is um so it's given me more time to then be able to like reinvest back into the business which is kind of what I needed because I feel like when you do it all yourself you just don't have the time to like think about what your next steps might be so then you're just in Mm -hmm. this like constant cycle of like just staying where you are and it's like really hard to grow because you just don't have the time to even like think or plan or figure it out so I feel like I've just been able to get that time to be able to kind of like you know think about what my next steps are what my next collection could be or like next content ideas or whatever it may be um it's definitely been helpful in just like freeing up that space and like not having to worry about doing everything all at once because like you know, there's somebody else that can do that or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, so true. So there's lots of things I want to go, like, dive into what you just (laughs) said, like, you know, what's coming next and all that. But um, I want to back up a little bit. I'm curious, like, so how many collections do you typically, or like how many pieces do you typically, um, like, release in a year or per season? Um, I don't honestly have a set schedule for releasing things, which is something I'm trying to change this year and actually have a set schedule of releasing things. Um, but last year I just kind of like released whenever I had fabrics or had the time to figure out a collection or whatever. And I've maybe released like three to four items at a time, like in a certain collection. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I maybe released like 20 some items last year, maybe a little bit more or less. Um, but yeah, it's kind of been super inconsistent just because I've been doing it in a very unconventional way. But ideally this year, I'll actually like release just like seasonally. So I'll do like, you know, spring collection, summer collection, fall and then winter um, mm-hmm. and then do like however many pieces I can is kind of the ideal structure that I would like to have this year. Because last year was just kind of all over the place. Definitely not a good way to do things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's still a, a- like 20 is still a lot, I feel like. So yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> yeah. So it certainly wasn't like, yeah, I mean, to be able to get yeah. 20 done by yourself is really Yeah, good. it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, so you also, I, I think I saw you showed a collection at New York Fashion Week. Yes. So how did that opportunity come about? Yeah, so um, it's with this, obviously it's not with like the official New York Fashion Week. I feel like I always have to disclaim that, but I feel like any person that knows about New York would know that it's definitely not like the New York Fashion Week shows. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, there's this company, like organization that um, basically just like hosts sustainable fashion events. Um, And I had done a like event with them in Joshua Tree like California earlier that summer um and it was like 
super fun loved working with them they're like obviously like a small business too um and they were just kind of like mm -hmm. you know taking their chances with all of this like I think they started a couple years prior to the pandemic but obviously like being an event uh company during the pandemic was not like the greatest thing for them mm -hmm. um so they told me that they were planning on doing like New York fashion week and if I would be like interested in it and stuff because they're based in New York and I was like I would love that like sign me up I will gladly do that with you guys um so it ended up coming into fruition and we were able to do that so we had like a little show with a couple other sustainable brands um during New York fashion week like in Manhattan and it was super fun um such like a cool like surreal experience because I feel like anybody who wants to be a fashion designer just like dreams of that like runway moment Mm -hmm. um so it was really cool obviously it was like relatively small considering um but still so cool to be in New York like during that week and to like you know represent sustainable fashion there so yeah so cool so did you um have like a specific collection that you showed for that or you just kind of brought pieces from your line already yeah, I showed a new collection for that one, which was ended up just being the collection I later launched as like my kind of holiday-ish winter collection. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it, I kind of, it was all like super kind of last minute. Like they told me in August that we were doing it and obviously it's in September. So I was oh, like, wow. very, very quick turnaround of like, all right, we're going to quickly make something and figure it out. So yeah, quick turnaround, but it, you know, it managed and it worked. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, that that is super like quick to be able to like get a whole collection together. Um, yeah. So what was kind of the experience like being in New York and showing your collection there? And then um, what has kind of been the effect on your business after that? Like, did it bring in a lot of like new customers or business after showing in New York? Yeah, um, it was a really cool experience. So like the show itself, like you could buy tickets for um, online and I had made a TikTok like, I don't know, the week prior, a couple weeks prior, just like telling people like, hey, like if you want to, you know, attend New York Fashion Week, like here's a cool opportunity. Um, you'll see like a bunch of fun, sustainable brands and it's like blah, 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 like a smaller show. And um, that TikTok like went slightly viral. So we ended up like selling selling out the show in like you oh, know nice. a day which was definitely unexpected from all parties <laughs> I was like mm -hmm. oops <laughs> like sorry about that um but it was really cool because then we ended up having just like a really wide range of people show up because obviously like TikTok it could end up on anybody's like page so you know we didn't have like just fashion related people like and there was a bunch of girls that were like med students or like computer science students or like just all these different things like lawyers all whatever but they all just like wanted to come to the sustainable fashion show so it was like just a really cool diverse group of people that ended up being there and obviously like before and after the show I got to talk to a bunch of people like some people like were there because they like had already been following me for a while so it was like cool to finally like meet people and like put it like face to certain usernames that I've been seeing a lot on my page mm -hmm. and stuff um so yeah it was just a cool experience to meet people and talk to people like face to face and like see um just like people like in person actually supporting sustainable fashion and all the things so I definitely did end up getting a good chunk of like followers from it just from like the viral video itself and then from everybody who attended and all the things um so it was just a really cool experience overall and I'm like very thankful it was 
able to happen considering like you know pandemic and all the things like it was a time where it was able to happen and it was Mm -hmm. good (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I want to ask a little bit about like it seems like you have like a really good like online community that follows you Mm -hmm. and your brand that you interact with and even surrounding sustainable fashion with kind of like an online community like how do you like do you intentionally build that and like have conversations around sustainability in the online spaces that you're at or like how does that community grow and what has been your experience kind of um know being online and being on lots of different social medias and and meeting these people in a virtual space uh I think for me um probably one of like the biggest reasons why I've been able to like grow an audience or whatever is probably just like being more personable and being more than just like a brand and like actually being like a person behind a brand Mm -hmm. um which I think obviously nowadays like a lot of brands are starting to do that a lot more but I feel like just being able to like be transparent about literally everything in my brand is like very attractive to people because there's not very many brands that show you like exactly how your products are made and like tell you like oh I got this there or like this is how I'm making it or like this is literally me making it right now mm-hmm. um so I think just the transparency and the, like the personability of it all has really like kept my audience engaged with me um just like being able to share the process of everything is something that not a lot of people do generally like I feel like the fashion industry doesn't really like to show the behind the scenes too much like it's kind of like a weird secret of like what actually goes on behind the scenes Mm -hmm. so I think a lot of people have just like really related to seeing it behind the scenes and seeing that it's not like as glamorous as like you know movies make it out to be like I'm literally just a normal person living like by myself in the midwest and sewing all day Like, Mm -hmm. it's not, like, some crazy, unattainable thing to be a fashion designer. Um, So I think that people have just, like, resonated with that. And then, obviously, it makes them, like, you know, like my brand and follow my brand. But I think it kind of is more of, like, they like me behind the brand rather than just, like, the brand itself a lot of the times. Um, Mm -hmm. Which is fine because my brand is also my name. So it's, like, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I just think that transparency and just, like, being personal and, like, honest has been good, even with the sustainability aspect of things. like. I've never like, you know, claimed to be perfectly sustainable. I never like tear down other brands and be like, they're not sustainable because this or like, I'm better than them. Like I try to just like be like very genuine and honest about everything and also not like, I don't know, push any like hate on anything or like on anyone. Cause obviously with sustainable fashion gets a little like touchy sometimes when it's like, you know, um, like people can't afford it. And like, people are like, don't buy fast fashion ever. And it's like, sometimes people need to, and like, that's okay too. So like trying to be just like very honest in that conversation as well and not be so like, I don't know, one-sided and try to be like, you know, open and have those conversations with people, I think has been able to get me like a really good understanding audience that like engages with me. Like, I just think transparency is like what people want these days. And like, if you give them that, like it makes them want to stick around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I feel like the pandemic has really pushed that forward where Mm -hmm. people want to buy from and follow brands that align with their values like and it's really hard to know when it's like this kind of faceless corporation like like what is the character what is the personality like what does this company care about versus when it's a personal brand and you're being transparent about all that like 
you know, people kind of, you know, like you said earlier, you can kind of get the, you know, good vibe from people of, of like, we're going to get along. And then right. that makes you want to like, you know, root for them and, and support them and kind of follow right. along their journey. So exactly. So yeah, going back to, you know, what you were talking about with New York fashion week, mm-hmm. um, you know, bringing in new business that way, um, getting to meet people in person. Uh, what has it kind of been like? Like, has, has most of your growth been from, you mentioned some of the videos that have gone viral and, and everything. Um, is that kind of the main way that your brand has grown and, and that you've been marketing it the past? I mean, I guess it's, has it been like almost two years since you've yeah. launched? Yeah. Yeah, I think it definitely has just been kind of social media based. I think at first it was more of like TikTok based, but I think that recently it's been more like YouTube based. Like that's kind of been growing a lot more. And obviously now there's like hundreds of videos of me making stuff from like the very first day that I launched until now. So it's like people can like, you know, watch that entire journey quite literally Mm -hmm. um, on there. So I feel like that's probably been my biggest one and like continues to be my biggest one. But I would like to continue to do more like in-person event types things to like be able to you know meet people and gain a new audience that way because I just think it's like so important for a customer to be able to like see your clothing in person and like feel it and like you know to just get a feel for it that way Mm -hmm. but obviously with the pandemic it's been a little difficult to actually do those type of things but ideally in the future I would like for that to also be like a you know big way that I bring people in as well because obviously there's only so much that social media can really show and do for a brand and I think that just like being in person is so much better to explain things and see things and all the things so and on that note like like since you launched your brand like what are some of the things maybe that once your customers like got the pieces in hand or were able to meet you or you know see the designs in person that was there anything that you kind of had to shift or change or adjust like based on the feedback that you were able to get from people? Yeah, I've loved getting feedback from people. Um, Like part of me gets so scared whenever I send something out and I'm like, oh my gosh, what if like something's wrong with it? But I have genuinely, like any person that's ever had any sort of issue with anything I've made or whatever has been so nice about the way they approach it. So obviously when I was first starting this, like I kind of just like taught myself pattern grading and tried to figure it out as best as I could. Mm-hmm. Um. So I wasn't like, you know, I'm not like professional in that. So I was like so scared of like, um, you know, different sizes and stuff. And people have been just like very, you know, open about like, hey, like I'm this size and like it fits, but like this adjustment would be nice, Um, especially with like plus sizes and stuff. It's not something that I was, you know, ever taught. It's not something Mm -hmm. that's easy to even find online how to do. Like I'm Mm -hmm. still searching far and wide, figuring it out. Um, So even just having those customers be like, hey, like this, like, you know, fits like circumference wise, but like, I would like, like an extra, like two inches of length here or like an extra, whatever here, like would make it fit better, would make me feel more comfortable in this or whatever, especially with like, you know, cropped pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, So being able to get that type of feedback from customers has been really, really nice and super helpful. Um, I haven't had like too many issues necessarily, but you know, every once in a while, like it's nice to get that kind of feedback um, from people, especially since like, you know, I don't, have like fit models to just like fit things on all the time or like people to really test try things on so Mm -hmm. customers have been super wonderful with that and like getting that type of feedback has like obviously helped me you know 
fix my patterns and make things better. And, you know, we're still continuing to hopefully make things better. So mm-hmm. sizing can be so hard. Like I talked to yeah. so many brands because um, like I'm a, I'm a pattern maker and I right. grade. And so like talking through like here's, you know, like setting up a size chart for a new brand or helping right. someone like fix, especially their everybody has questions on like plus size grading because like you said there isn't a lot out there exactly that's really well done so it's hard to even like you know there are fewer brands to look to of like they're really doing it right like pay attention to that right right let alone like the practical here's how to actually grade to exactly bigger sizes right and that's always the trick. And like everybody's body shape and, and, and size is different too. So yeah, it's, it's so difficult. <laughs> yeah. So what is your like creative process? Like, can you walk us through, like, if you're creating a new collection, kind of start to finish of developing that, what does your process look like? Yeah. So my process is not very conventional. I feel like I, would love to be the type of person that like makes food boards gets swatches and like you know does that whole thing and like sketches and you know does the traditional way that everybody thinks that fashion designers run um Mm -hmm. um, but I honestly am very random when it comes to things sometimes I'll literally just think of something when I'm like in the shower and I'm like oh my god that would be fun I want to try to make that or like when I'm about to go to bed, I'll get a million ideas and like randomly sketch them out on my bedside table and be like, okay, in the morning, I'll look at that. Um, um, but, you know, in a more conventional way, I feel like I just choose fabrics first and then kind of design around that because obviously using like dead stock fabrics, it's hard to like create a design and then look for that fabric if I had something like really specific in mind. So I kind of try to source fabrics first and then kind of be like, okay, what can I do with this? And then, you know, kind of just go off of that and kind of create around that whatever random idea I have in my head. Like it's, a, I feel like it's just a very unconventional process and probably not the greatest process to have. Um, but that's just kind of how I've had to work just considering the whole fabric thing. Like if I, I feel like if I lived in a place where I could actually go see fabrics in person and like pick things out that way, I would be more on like the design first and then find fabrics. Mm -hmm. but because I do have to kind of source everything online I feel like I'm a lot more limited so I try to just like source those first so that I don't get disappointed if I can't find a fabric that I like really wanted or something Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. to try to just like you know find fabrics that kind of work well together color wise or can create some sort of story that way and then design after that yeah yeah and that I don't think that's totally backwards like I know that's not typically what we're all taught to do in school but um I think that's more often how it works. I mean, because right. it's so it's so hard to design or even make a pattern for something when, until you know what fabric it's going to be. So, yeah, you know, from you know, if I'm making something for myself, like I'm definitely inspired fabric first. You know, right, right. So it's like, ooh, this would make a perfect whatever. You know, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, the fabric determines so much of the silhouette and like what can be done design wise. Right. So are you still primarily sourcing um, dead stock fabrics then? Yeah, primarily I do dead stock, um, but I do still use like natural fabrics for like, like, you know, like sweatshirts that I've been making. Like I get, you know, normal. I think I got bamboo for that one. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but like for those type of things that are more like recurring and stuff like I'll get natural fiber fabrics but for the most part I like using dead stock because I also like the like limited availability of it and so then Mm -hmm. it's like this thing of like there's only going to be x amount of this like product made and I feel like it makes people kind of want to buy it more so I feel like that's kind of a fun thing to have so I do like dead stock for that reason too yeah yeah that's so cool um have you found it hard like sourcing fabrics you know online and then you said you're in the midwest and (laughs) I know there's not a lot (laughs) around here yeah it is kind of difficult like I have you know like certain websites that I go to that like you know I have used a lot so like I trust or whatever but I feel like it's so hard to just figure out like the weight of the fabric what it's gonna really be like what mm-hmm. it's gonna really look like when you try to drape it so like there's times where like I've bought certain satins that I wanted to make something a lot more like drapey in and then I get it and it's like a lot more of like a stiffer type of mm-hmm. satin that doesn't actually drape well and I'm like okay well that's not what I thought I was getting but it's like okay I'll make it work I'll do whatever with it Um, So like that part of shopping online really sucks because it's just like you, I feel like when you're fabric shopping, like so important to just touch it Mm -hmm. and like feel it and like understand that. So that's like my one downside to it all. Cause obviously like I literally the only fabric store I have is Joann's and like, that's just not, not ideal. (laughs) So there's like one other, there's like one other one here other than Joann's, but they're like lean more quilting. Yeah, I feel like all of them like lean towards just like the cotton prints, (laughs) like the classic Mm -hmm. cotton prints. And it's just like, obviously not what I really use. Um, So yeah, I really can't source in person. I would like to, you know, like travel out to like New York or LA to actually start like sourcing that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Ideally would love that. But, you know, sometimes you just have to go online and try to figure it out that way because it's a little hard to do it in person. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, making my sister's wedding dress and we're having like the oh, hardest hard. time trying to find like uh like white satin but again oh gosh, it's like yeah. we, do, we don't want it too stiff and we don't want it right. too shiny and you know like so often satins can be like blue white and it's like you yes. want like a nice warm white but not ivory yes <laughs> and like there's so no specific. way to tell that on like a picture no. so we've gotten a lot of swatches and are still searching oh I bet it is it's so difficult Mm -hmm. yeah so I feel you there like yeah (laughs) when you mentioned satin I was like oh yeah I know what you're talking about it's always the satin (laughs) yep yeah so so tricky it seems like you're like have like accomplished so much in in your time so far in business and like incredible growth so congrats on all of that thank you yeah um I'm curious like do you have any like advice or maybe like what is the the biggest thing that you've learned so far in running your business oof biggest thing I've learned um I think it's important to stay consistent obviously um but even through like the downsides like I think on social media it's so easy for people to look at my page and think that I've just had constant growth forever and it's always been great but it's like behind the fun happy social media posts like I've had very bad months to business-wise like financially like you know all the things like everybody does it's not this constant growth and I think just like 
genuinely trying to stay consistent and like positive throughout that is super important because it's so easy to just like have one bad month and be like, okay, my, my business is going downhill. Like it's over, like it's never going to go back up again. But you know, if you continue to be consistent, you keep putting in the effort, like it will come back up. Like it just goes in phases. Um, So just like genuinely trying to, you know, stay positive and like be easy on yourself during those times is important because it's so easy to compare yourself to other businesses and think that everybody's always doing great. And like, I know I've definitely done that too, but like as a business owner, you know, that that does like, that's not true. And like, everybody has bad months and bad things that happen. And you know, the behind the scenes of that stuff, like nobody really shows. Mm -hmm. So uh, just trying to like be easy on yourself in those moments and like stay consistent and persistent with it all, I think is probably the most important thing. Yeah. So true. So you mentioned a little bit about like even like the finances of the business. So, Mm -hmm. and I think that's one thing that like few people talk about, but it's like a huge important thing, like costing and pricing and um, so like how, how has it been kind of like managing all that and, and figuring out, you know, what to sell the pieces for and, you know, what people willing to pay for things? Um, has that been, um, yeah, what is it, what does that look like? Kind of more the business side of. Yeah. Um, it's been kind of difficult to figure out because obviously anybody who like, like first starts a business wants things to be affordable and attainable for everybody. And like, you know, that was my mindset when I first started. I was like, all these sustainable brands are so expensive. Like, I don't want to be one of those brands. Like I want like the, you know, average person to be able to afford my pieces. Mm -hmm. And at the time, like I was living with my parents so I could like afford to make things at a like, uh, like cheaper price. Because I wasn't paying like rent or like any living expenses. I was just paying like my own business expenses and that stuff. But like mm-hmm. not having to worry about like, you know, rent or things like that. I wasn't thinking that way at all. So I was like, oh, I can make things for like, you know, under a hundred and it be fine. Um, and like at the time I thought I was like making bank because like, you know, my <laughs> savings was going up a bunch because again, was not paying living expenses. So obviously you're able to save a lot more. Um, and it was like, you know, fresh out of college, it seems like it's like adult money at that time. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, I've never seen that kind of money in my life in my (laughs) bank account, but it wasn't even like that much, but it's like, as a post-college student, it's like, wow, like never seen this in my life. Um, so I thought I was like, you know, doing great, saved up a bunch of money and ended up moving out. And once I moved out and like started paying my living expenses and stuff, I like quickly realized how like money does not go that far. <laughs> like mm-hmm. once you like get it, because, um, you know, just living in itself is expensive. Even if I am in the Midwest, like it's still expensive to just live, especially mm-hmm. like by myself. Um, so that's kind of when I realized that the amount of work I was doing versus the pay I was getting was not adding up and I was like definitely not paying myself enough whatsoever to be able to even just like sustain myself not even just like to have extra money or profit just like to sustain myself Mm -hmm. so I started you know raising my prices there and like obviously like explaining it to people and being like this is why I'm raising it like I literally am not paying myself enough to even just live like I need to actually be making money Um, but even since then I've still raised my prices up even more because Like, I think people assume that I make so much money because I sell dresses for $200, but it's like, if I'm handmaking everything, I can only make so many dresses. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not 
producing hundreds of dresses at this price point. Like I'm maybe making like 10 dresses or like less than that. And Mm -hmm. like, that's not even factoring in like, you know, fabric costs and like all these extra things that cost Shipping costs. Yeah. Shipping costs, even shipping the fabric, Mm -hmm. like that's an expense. And like, um, even like, you know, making the patterns and all the time spent on that pre-production too. Um, so there's like so many things that go into it that, you know, the average person wouldn't know, but it's like, people probably think that I'm making so much money with these prices, but I'm like, I'm really not like, I'm still making enough to live. Like I can sustain myself, but I'm not, not making much extra after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm still kind of, you know, figuring out what my best case scenario is going to be with the whole financial thing. Cause it's like, I don't want to continue raising my prices because then at a certain point it becomes luxury and I don't necessarily want to be luxury like Mm -hmm. I would still like to be attainable to the average person um but obviously it's like I also need to think about myself and being able to pay myself and if I want to hire people being able to pay them like a normal livable wage so Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of things you have to like really factor in and I think it's been difficult but also just like being transparent about it on social media has been helpful because I feel like I really haven't gotten a lot of backlash about it because people like see all the work I do like they see me struggle through it all so they're like okay it makes sense why she's pricing it this way um Mm -hmm. but yeah it's definitely a hard thing to kind of really figure out and I feel like I'm just gonna continuously be trying to figure it out it is so tricky but I think you know the transparency that you have with your with your audience and the people that you talk to like that will really help too because they know you're not just like ripping people off with high prices for no reason like they know like you're sharing the journey and you're sharing like hey here's where the money's actually going and here's what your you know each dollar you spend is you know going towards you know fair pay and right you know sustainable materials and all this that you know it maybe wouldn't be supporting at you know a fast fashion brand or something exactly yeah yeah so I think that's definitely that I think that'll help you out that I I don't I would hope you wouldn't get too much um like <laughs> negative backlash for it I know people you know on the internet can be you know yeah to a lot of sustainable brands they're like oh my gosh your stuff is so expensive like why are you pricing it so high but yep it's it's like once people kind of realize you know what goes into it that then they're like oh yeah it doesn't make sense why I can buy a t-shirt for the same price as my coffee you know exactly exactly so it's like one once people know then they they generally like understand it well right um so I'm curious what is next for your brand do you have kind of plans for this year what can we can look forward to seeing Yes. So like I said earlier, I would love to do more in-person events. I had a lot of things planned for this year, but now I'm not so sure because, you know, things are not doing well again. Mm So TBD on that. But ideally, I would like to do more like just events and pop-ups and stuff like that. Um, I'm also looking into like expanding my team and possibly manufacturing some pieces like I don't think I'm gonna go full force like switch over anything but um, I'm definitely looking at dabbling into that a little bit because that's like one of the main solutions to be able to give myself more time to then create more 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's something that I'm kind of looking into a little bit as well. And just like being more consistent with like actual collections, like I said earlier as well, with just like launching um, seasonally and kind of just being more, more professional, I feel like throughout the year. Cause I feel like when I first started, I didn't intend it to, or I didn't think it was going to become like my full-time thing right away or anything. So I didn't do things super professionally. And I feel like this year, I just really want to like professionalize everything and have like a very set like routine of how things work and just like consistency in that sense of things so like people know when to expect new collections and like I know when I should be doing things and stuff like that is kind of what I'm working on but um yeah in-person events would be really great to have and possibly manufacturing those are my two biggest things for this year hopefully yeah exciting those are both like huge so yeah thank Um, you and even like the business structure stuff like I know maybe that's less the less glamorous right but it's like (laughs) so useful for like figuring out you know like freeing up your own time or like kind of documenting processes to be able to hand off certain things to you know a new employee or somebody who's like helping you out with those um can really give you like a good like picture of how your brand operates I know with like my business I kind of started with the same maybe mindset is you in that like I, I did want it to be my full-time thing but I didn't mm-hmm. really think it was a business I was like oh I'm gonna mm-hmm. freelance you know right and then yes. it like took a couple years and then I was like wait this is pretty much like yes I'm freelancing but like this is still running a business like right. I have a business that I exactly. also need to work on you know like make yeah. plans for the business not just like a job that I created for myself Right. So, and that was like a huge like shift for like mindset shift for me of like, I need to treat this like a business, you know, yeah. <laughs> and run it professionally like that. And exactly like, put time and energy into like organizing the business. Um, and that has been like so helpful. So even though it's like less glamorous, it is super fun, I can say. Yes. Um, <laughs> to kind of like dig behind the business curtain. For sure. Um, Cool. Those are all super exciting. Yeah. Um, so I have one more question that I ask mm-hmm. everyone at the end of the interview, which is if you could communicate one value to the world through the clothes you design, what would it be? Ooh. Um, mm, that is a hard one. I feel like there's just so many that I could choose from. So like choosing one is like cool. But um, I feel like I would hope to show like, like ethics more than than anything through my clothing like just like the value mm-hmm. of like the person or like the dignity of people behind the clothing you wear because obviously that's not something we see too much so hopefully mm-hmm. like my clothing like a like dignifies people that make it whether it's me or like if I have other people ever make it but also like the person wearing it like mm-hmm. I hope it's like a full-on experience for everybody to just feel like good about what they're wearing how they look and what they're wearing but also like who made what they're wearing yeah yeah love it yeah well this has been a great conversation I'm so glad you could join me today Um, yes where can people find out more about you and your brand online yeah so everything pretty much is just kind of by my name so Natalia Trevino Amaro you can find me on YouTube that way you can find me on Instagram that way and on TikTok that way so kind of all over the place But if you type in my name, I 
will pop up. <laughs> awesome. I will include links to those in the show notes as well for anyone interested. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Natalia. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Haynes, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.